and welcome to Film Inquiries, the latest. This is a podcast series on Tom Cruise. Well, this week it's on Tom Cruise because Top Gun Maverick is in theaters. Happy Memorial Day weekend, everyone. And flying in on an F-15 fighter plane, doing loop-de-loops in the sky, given his code signal. What would your code signal be? Oh man, I feel like it would just be what's the what's the dude with the regular? It's just his name. Isn't he just called Ben? I would just be like Dan. Dan, it's Daniel Feingold. Everyone, welcome back. Thank you. In my free time, uh, when I'm not flying jets, you can find me at the bar playing Great Balls of Fire and getting the getting the bar all riled up as we sing in harmony beautifully. I'm mad. You and you and I go out to drinks quite often with our friend group and. You've you've thrown down the towel now, so I'm just Next gonna time. be d- suggesting straight like piano bars for us to go to. And if you're not up there playing great balls of fire, I'm just gonna like hurl hurl booze like just rousing eighties <laughs> music. Like, yeah, just just ballads. That works. That works. Let's do it. Um, so we're jumping right into it today. Kind of been pumping this episode up for a couple weeks now. Top Gun Maverick is here. Um, one of the movies I've been most looking forward to for the summer and been kind of, I think, pretty upfront saying on uh, the last couple episodes that, because um, you and I saw it like a while ago, we saw this, we're recording this episode a little bit early, um, but I guess to, to drop over the Memorial Day weekend, but um, you and I got to see it like two weeks pretty much before it um, is, is coming out to the world. Um, at the time we're recording, it has most recently had the big splashy premiere at the Cannes Film Festival. There was like a whole Tom Cruise day where there was like a Q&A where uh, French journalists like asked him all these questions that really didn't probe hard at all. I mean, Tom, <laughs> Tom Cruise, one of these celebrity figures that's just like, you know, he's tight as a drum. He's not going to let anything anything slip. Um, but... It's 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 got me sort of thinking about Cruz as as a movie star figure as a pop culture figure. Um, before we go into talking about this movie, just what what do you think of when you think of of Tom Cruise and what was your first introduction to Tom Cruise? Do you think honestly, if I if I'm being totally honest, the first thing I think about with Tom Cruise besides movie star is Scientology. <laughs> um, but just being honest, I grew up in Clearwater with Scientology in my backyard. That's, but that's weird. There's a Scientology church coming right by my apartment. Oh, the people are copping out, and I think you set them off. They, wow. they have eyes and ears everywhere. Oh God! Uh, <laughs> so this is my last time on the show. But no, my my I think first relationship with tom cruise movie star was probably jerry Maguire, and maybe not my first but the the one that i remember the most from my childhood in watching that movie so many times i just feel like it was so on television at all times so -hmm. many great lines so many great performances for that that movie um and yeah i mean you could there there the great thing about Tom Cruise and his career is that you can go with so many options and all of them are valid. Jerry Maguire was just the one that I remember being ever present in my childhood. And especially as I was kind of getting older, uh, maybe teenage years and really starting to appreciate film. Yeah. I mean, I, I asked you just because there's 
there's sort of no wrong answer. Like, well, I mean, there. If if you said like Valkyrie, that'd be really weird. But that would like, be weird. If, <laughs> did see that in theaters, but if, not my first option. But you know, there's like nine or ten that would like. You know, if someone was like, "This was my introduction to to Cruise," you'd be like, "That makes sense." I mean, Jerry Maguire is like that's that's one of the ones that makes sense. Um, I think for me, probably to kind of transition into the first part of our conversation, it probably was weirdly Top Gun. Um, okay. I had a parent who was in the the Air Force, and so was just sort of had like an awareness of a lot of like popular movies about pilots, and so I don't. I don't think I ever like saw the whole thing. Like it, it probably was until I was a teenager where I saw the whole thing, but definitely like saw a lot of bits and pieces of it just being on TV in the house growing up. And so like kind of had this like awareness of it as this, this cultural object. And I mean, probably as I got into being more of like a little bit older, like I don't know, 11 or 12 or something, then that's, you know, become more aware of Tom Cruise like as a figure and as a movie star. He's not someone who's in a lot of like kids movies, but then but then was just sort of like, oh, that's the guy from the the fighter pilot movie that like I've seen all these clips of. Um I want to say also uh, like very underrated role of his is Tropic Thunder. Sure. Bit part, very <laughs> memorable. That sure. that also was I, kind of a seminal <laughs> moment of like comedic film and in that era of just there was like one after the other and tom cruise just like really sticks out in that performance mission impossible was the other one Mm -hmm. that's like an obvious one of like i was probably like the right age to the the first mission impossible movie i think i saw was the third one when that came out um and so that was probably like my full first full like beginning to end experience with a tom cruise movie um but back to Top Gun. Um, what are your thoughts on Top Gun? This was my comment to the the studio reps as we exited the theater. Um, I, I said something along the lines of the one movie that can unite the country. This this oh, is like over here. this is like blow your hair off. Like if you are wearing a, a, a hairpiece when you attend the theater, it will be blown off just wait, from wait, the original. No, no. Oh, oh Top Gun. Oh, are you yeah, talking yeah. about? I was talking the, about the original. Oh, but. the original. Okay, so the original. My experience <laughs> with the original is I hadn't actually seen it until recent years. Mm-hmm. I did not grow up with with that movie. I just it was obviously something that I was aware of. Right. And then a friend who adores the movie is one of one of the first people who will be lining up at the theater to see Top Gun Maverick. Mm-hmm. Was like you have to see this, and so yeah. finally we sat down and watched it, and it was. A great experience. I think Top Gun Maverick. Who tweeted that the Paddington comparison? I think that is I so think apropos. That was David Ehrlich at at IndieWire. It is so that is so accurate. That can, can you would you be able I be- to? I believe I would have to look up the tweet again. I believe his reaction, his tweet was like the difference in quality between Top Gun and Top Gun Maverick is not like the difference in quality between Paddington one and Paddington two. It's the difference between like Morbius and Paddington two. That's, that's exactly. And that's not to say that Top Gun isn't like a well-constructed film or that it wasn't especially impressive for the time that it was released Mm -hmm. um, or wasn't, you know, a great star performance from its star Tom Cruise. But 
given where we are in 2022, granted this movie was supposed to come out two years ago, mm -hmm. the action in this movie is so breathtakingly impressive. Mm -hmm. You absolutely must see this in IMAX or Dolby, or if you can get to a museum, like I, I grew up near like, uh, this kind of this museum that had a, a theater that was even bigger than IMAX. Like it was all encompassing, like all like, was it like a dome? Kind of like a dome, like yeah. half dome. We had, we had one of those in, in Charlotte growing up. If in you the can get that museum, this is the movie to see. Like yeah. it was so impressive. And I almost felt like I almost felt guilty with how much it suckered me in mm -hmm. to like the, the, kind of old Americana. Like it feels, it feels like such an eighties movie that has the benefit of two thousands action sequences and mm -hmm. just, and like the Tom Cruise legacy and mm -hmm. the fact that we've been waiting for, or some people have been waiting for 36 years for this movie. Um, the difference between the two movies is just, it, it really, again, not to knock the original, but mm -hmm. they're just entirely they're on entirely different levels. I don't know if you agree with that. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think this is better than the first one. You, you know, there's such I've been trying to think the last couple weeks like in what ways is it is it different? Like the the first one honestly when they first announced that there was going to be a sequel, I I kind of I'm not someone who's like a massive fan of the the first one. I think it's a fun movie, but is fun as this kind of like weird time capsule yeah. of like eighties Reagan era America and the movie industry at that time. Like it, it is in its sort of like over the top, like raw rawness. Like I, I think I described it to someone at work the other day is like, it's basically what, if you've never seen the original Top Gun, it is like, what if you, mesh together like an Abercrombie commercial with like the Team America song that's like America <laughs> f yeah like it's basically there's no real plot to it it's just like dudes flying it's it's just like a bunch of shirtless sweaty good looking men flying fighter jets and Tom Cruise trying to like hook up with Kelly McGillis like that's basically the movie and then in like the final scene they're like we we need we need an action sequence. So there's this like weird, like rush through like subplot where like uh they're like at graduation or something, and it's like um actually you need to get on the aircraft carrier right now because you got to go to uh it doesn't matter what country it is but you need to go on now. And then there's this like mission to have a big like explosive finale. But it is, so it is like the time capsule thing. I think is like that's that's yeah. really just how I describe it to a mutual friend of ours right. who is planning who has not seen it the the original yet. Mm. And I was like, it is such a it, a time capsule of, yeah. of the eighties. And it, it's it's I think that's part of the charm of it because of the the sort of over the top kind of it's Good Morning in America like Cold War or Reagan era just like stars and stripes smacking the screen um and it basically it like you know the criticism of it is it's basically like a two-hour recruitment video for the the navy but you know that coupled with the like um you know the the kind of fun cheesy 80s soundtrack and um the <laughs> unintentional 
kind of like overt homoeroticism of it of like I, I i think it has been like warmly embraced as like a very gay movie now um but it is like funny to like look at it as a movie that is like both trying so hard to be straight but is also like a bunch of like sweaty dude there's like four shower scenes of people just like grabbing each other's butts and being like i'm gonna get you up there um <laughs> and just hanging out on the beach playing some volleyball that's that's true to the the kenny Loggins song hanging with the boys which i <laughs> i will say granted this movie hasn't even at the time we're recording this has not officially been released to the masses yet Pe- but people will have seen it by the time this episode yeah. goes up though so hindsight we have 30 plus years of having this the, the original in our lives mm-hmm. i will say i already while i want to see the the top gun maverick again already I will say there are a lot of like iconic, memorable moments from the first oh, one that I don't think the second one necessarily has, other like outside the action sequences, which right. are amazing. Yeah. But there are just genuine moments of I think earned there's, iconic there's some nostalgia yeah. tipping of the hats to kind of mirror stuff from the first movie, even though stylistically I think they are kind of different. You know, the first one has this very like smoky sweaty like sexed up tony scott aesthetic to it and this one is much more sleek it's much more about spectacle and um it's directed by uh joseph kaczynski who um worked with Cruz before on that movie oblivion the kind of like forgotten sci-fi movie from like the early 2010s underrated i would say okay we'll get to that in a bit <laughs> um i think he also did like there's that firefighter movie which hunter Howman actually last week was like that movie's actually better than you think it is even though it's kind of a movie that also sort of doesn't weirdly exist and he also did a, another legacy sequel the the tron sequel which mm. don't remember liking but you know so he's done this kind of very cool big yeah great daft punk soundtrack but so he's done kind of a big legacy sequel to like a iconic 80s movie so i i think this movie even feels stylistically very different of it's trying to be big spectacle and just sort of like fast sleek efficient speed it's way more plot driven of like there's like a ticking clock where essentially the setup for this movie is tom cruise's character of maverick is brought back to top gun to teach this new or they're not a new class of recruits, but um, a bunch of uh, the best pilots in the country. He's got to prepare them for this very dangerous, almost suicide mission that they have to go on. And they're on like a tight crunch deadline. And so it's basically him having to prepare these cadets and whip them in the shape. And then really beating into your head, kind of like the geography and stakes of what they have to do on this mission. So then like the last 30 minutes of this movie can, as you say, be this, like one of the more incredible action sequences I've seen in a movie in the last several years. But the first one is like outside of the like finale of the first one is way more of just like a hangout movie. Like it's just sort of them. There's no real stakes other than like, is Tom Cruise and Kelly McGillis going to hook up and like, is, is Tom Cruise going to actually be the best of everyone like that's basically the stakes of the first one and there's way more emotional and way more kind of life and death stakes to this one so even 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 when this one is sort of calling back moments from the tony scott movie it does sort of feel like there's kind of a different energy to this one than than 
the the eighties one. It almost feels like it exists more in like a Mission Impossible world. Yeah, than that's fair. Yeah, Top Gun the original does. Uh, I will say as as amazing. I keep using the word amazing as great and kind of quickly paced and high stakes the final 30 minutes feel because Mm -hmm. they did a good job building that up and training us to understand what's at what is at stake and how how the mission is supposed to play out and down down to to like what needs to happen at each specific minute of this mission i will say before that and i I don't want to say too much but there is a moment when tom cruise kind of reinserts himself into the picture Mm. after some a little bit of a falling out with with top gun where there is that sequence where he has to kind of prove himself Mm -hmm. and i thought that that is the closest i've been to like crying nerd tears in a while um so that even to me i thought that like for me that was the most impressive part or sequence i don't know if there was one that you, that st- stood out to you more so than the rest. No, but I think you're you're hinting at. Uh, I I think while this is, I think this has a much more uh, of an emotional core than the first one. I mean, the weirdly, I don't even think of this as an '80s movie. I mean, if if we're considering an era of blockbusters like it it reminded me much more of like i think this is better than the movie i'm about to compare it to but something to like armageddon um you know i i kind of joked like on an episode a few weeks ago i think it was when christy was on um and i've joked with you after we saw it and like with a couple of our friends like my the talking with people in social situations of being like you know what's a weird trend that i kind of miss that they don't do anymore it's like when these big summer action movies and kind of the late 90s like con air and armageddon would just end with this like really emotional love ballad and this movie does that like this movie ends with like the emotional lady gaga song but it it is like i think one of the things aside from these spectacular action sequences and the the pleasure of just watching Tom Cruise, which we should probably transition to next. The the thing I enjoyed about watching this was it's earnest. And it is weird to think like emotional earnestness is something that's like rare for mainstream blockbusters. If you think about it, they're either kind of like, there's a sort of snarky removed kind of wink winkiness about it, which like, the Marvel movies kind of do that. You, you know, thinking about other blockbusters this year, like the Doctor Strange movie definitely has more of a kind of like winking, like, all right, isn't this sort of silly? And and where the, the characters are almost commenting on like the action, stuff like this, like Ryan Reynolds movies do this, the Rock movies do this. Um, the Fast and Furious movies is like, a weird hybrid of like, I think don't go there. It's all about family. (laughs) It works best when it is being more earnest. Like you said, although now it's like almost turning into like, it's a meme. It's a meme. It's yeah. Or it's almost turning into like Vin Diesel thinks he's doing like King Lear in these (laughs) movies. Um, we don't, we don't have time to get into the fast and furious (laughs) stuff or, or blockbusters these days. It's something like the Batman movie, which like you and I really like, but you know, it's either gotta be kind of like jokey and winking or it's gotta be like, very dark and brooding and serious and this is like a serious fun movie but it's it is sort of a little it's a little bit soapy and it's just sort of like 
full uh, full of emotion and people like hugging and like trying to work through their emotions with each other. Um, That's what does make it or keeps it eighties. It does. Yeah. It does still. But even I think that was something we got like in in the nineties. I think yeah. like like even like Michael Bay movies are very like melodramatic. Um, there's not a lot of like wink winking about like oh isn't this movie ridiculous or something like i i don't know i just the 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 armageddon comparison like was the first thing that jumped to mind of just like the ending of that movie where it's like we need to you know bruce bruce willis like bravely sacrificing himself and like everyone down on earth is is crying and then it ends with like the ben affleck live tyler wedding and the the aerosmith song comes on it's like don't want to close my eyes <laughs> you know th- this this has the feel of something like that even though i think this is a, a much much better made movie than that and that i think one. i think it's fair to i mean people at preview screenings early screenings are generally just happy to be there mm-hmm. that said i and I, I i mentioned this to you after we saw it mm-hmm. i can't recall even like a Marvel movie, and I know other yeah. people have kind of more exciting Marvel experiences. I've never been a part of a, a movie where the theater reacted as much as they did yeah. to this. Like probably, just happy clapping every other scene. I mean, granted, we had a, a pandemic that's happened since then, but th- this, is, this has probably been the first movie since avengers endgame where like i feel like people were clapping and like cheering and standing up in the theater that that you and i were in which was like 50 percent people who had just like somehow gotten tickets through like a sweepstakes and were like happy to be there and like 50 percent like members of the press and people people were hooting and hollering and cheering and like clapping after like individual moments in the movie which which i agree with you like i can't Avengers Endgame is probably like the last. That's that's the most recent Avengers movie, right? Of all of them, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, 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 yes. That that one is probably like the last time I remember that kind of uproar, or not not uproar. That kind of reaction in a theater. Like I don't even think, or people even as simple as cheesy, kind of like very easy throwaway comedic moments that mm-hmm. people like genuinely were heartily laughing about. Yes. Um, it was just, it, it was a nice experience, but also yeah. like a crowd. It's a, it's absolutely a crowd pleaser. Yeah. Um, and I think also, and we, you, you discussed this. I don't think you have to have seen the first one. You, no. This height, this heightens the appreciation, I think, and certainly the emotional depth of it. There will be tips of the hat and callbacks yeah. to stuff in the first one if you had seen the first one. But I think if if you have zero relationship to the first one, or you're someone who's like, I saw that once and thought that movie was okay, but like don't remember anything other than like the Kenny Loggins song "Danger Zone" and like the fact that Tom Cruise was in it, like. I think if that's the only awareness you have of the original Top Gun, you can still see this one and kind of understand the stakes and kind of get swept up in the 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 summer spectacle of it all. I do appreciate the continuity of the Jennifer Connelly character, and this is something I did not notice. Yeah, I her actually. Sort of like, yeah. this is <laughs> this is the benefit of having a close friend who is obsessed with the original. So uh-huh. he. He w- he was texting me after I I we after the screening and he was like I can't believe they really 
like created a whole love interest for Tom Cruise in this movie based off of like a throwaway line at the beginning of the original. Mm-hmm. And I, I went back and watched that scene and there's continuity because yeah. in this one too, the, the Jennifer Connelly's daughter, the character in the movie, she's like, she says to Tom Cruise, don't break her heart again. Mm-hmm. And it's that, that matches that meshes with mm-hmm. what has been established very briefly in the original. So kudos to them for for giving it like emotional depth, whether you think it works or not. Like they actually cared to try to create a story and not just give us excellent flight sequences as well. Yeah, and and there's a fun cast of people around Cruz. I mean, I would say even more than kind of like, you know, there's the fun romance of him getting to woo Jennifer Connelly. But, you know, the, I, I think the biggest emotional... Thing to work through in the movie is you have Miles Teller playing the the son of Goose, who's the Tom Cruise's co-pilot in the first movie and dies in the first movie. And there's this very charged relationship between them. And Miles Teller's character is among this sort of group of cadets who are are all training for this very dangerous mission. And Cruise's character is carrying all this guilt about what happened to his father. And like, I don't know that I want to sort of lead his son now into a dangerous situation where he could be killed. Um, into the danger zone. Yes, into the danger zone. There's also John Hamm doing some capital A acting, John, as well as Ed Harris. John Hamm, I mean, Ed Harris comes in for one scene yeah. and is like, does his like stamp Ed Harris thing. John Hamm is the person I had the most fun watching just because more movies where John Hamm is just behind a desk screaming at people. Like, I, I think the best comparison i saw of this was was david ehrlich again kind of described it as like what if the that's what the money is for scene from Mad Men was just like an entire movie that's basically like john ham just taking that energy of like don draper screaming in the office and Mad Men and is like i'm just gonna wear a uh you know an air a, a navy naval uniform and um you know bark at tom cruise and a bunch of other people and um glenn powell I think a, a person whose whose movie stardom I'm I'm very invested in and want want the best for gets to kind of be like um the sort of Han Solo of this movie the the kind of like snarky cool but but a bit in of in it for himself uh pilot on this mission uh that that gets to be more sort of like the the fun wisecracking character who you're like that that guy's a little bit of a piece of shit, but damn, he's cool. He, I mean, he's kind of doing the Val Kilmer role of yeah, 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 this yeah, one. Yeah, and he yeah. does it very well. And Monica Barbaro is also yeah. very good. Mm-hmm. And and Kilmer comes in for for one scene that that is both is both nostalgia bait, but nostalgia bait because it kind of works if only because if you know what Kilmer has sort of gone through in more recent years and, and going and being um, afflicted by cancer and is now basically unable to talk and just him being in one scene and kind of like using every muscle in his body to just deliver one line was moving. Even if I understood the scene was basically there to be kind of like, well, we got we got to get one more person from from the original movie to come in. It's essentially, yeah. I mean, it's essentially blending reality. Right. So, so, but I think they, they handled it pretty tastefully. Yeah. So 
Let's talk about the elephant in the room, which is which is Tom Cruise in this movie. I think I thought you were going to say Scientology. No, but we we probably will have to talk a little bit about Scientology <laughs> as we keep going. Um, I think this this movie is, I think, on a larger like out outside of like how does it connect to the original Top Gun and like how does it work as just sort of a a popcorn movie. Like it is it is a movie that is both sort of making the case for the sort of bigness and spectacle of movies, which I, I think is a large part of why so many people are kind of getting swept up in it and excited by it is because this, this is, you know, Hunter Heilman saw it last night and, and basically like tweeted, like, this is a movies movie. Like, like it is, it is to sort of make you fall back in love with and like remind you of the, the, glorious sweeping spectacle of of seeing something on the big screen that's like bigger than you can possibly imagine and it's also a testament to tom cruise or is is making the case to tom cruise as like still one of our most essential movie stars and someone who is pushing 60 i mean i know this movie was made like several years ago and got like delayed by the pandemic but like the man's pushing 60 now and this movie is still basically feels like, you know, in the movie, he is the old guy who essentially doesn't want to grow up. That is coming back to kind of show the youngsters like, Hey, I still, I still got it. Don't, don't count this old bird out. And that is kind of a metaphor. You know, that is kind of what Cruz is doing in this movie and so much of what Cruz's career in more recent movies has been. And this, this, even more than I think the Mission Impossible movies, which are largely so stunt and action based, I think this movie you get Tom Cruise the action star, but you just sort of get to see him be a movie star, whether it's, you know, wisecracking with the other pilots or charming Jennifer Connolly. It is it is making just as much a case for like He's he's not going anywhere, and he's still just as much of a a kind of big marquee movie star who, when he's on screen, you can't take your eyes off of him, and is maybe like the, you know, wh- whether he is or not is an interesting question to for us to maybe debate. But like this movie is at least trying to argue that he is still our our biggest American movie star, or maybe the biggest movie star in the world, and that isn't going to go anywhere. Yeah, I mean they they even they even give us a scene of uh you know shirtless on the beach. So yes, <laughs> pushing sixty, but hey, he's still here. <laughs> it's also this movie. Uh, I was him look- and Jennifer Connelly. Not to interrupt, but just yeah. like what whatever cryo chamber that they're like sleeping in at night. It's it's unreal. How they look? Yeah, they yes, look the they basically look the same as they did like thirty years ago. But yeah, the the movie is projecting to do a hundred million opening weekend, and I will be very sad if it does less than that. And I I think that would be a little worrisome. I know yeah. a, a couple weeks ago when I was on, we were talking about like what could potentially be a bust, and I yeah. I, I, I swung for the fences and went with Jurassic World. But th- there is there is part of me like especially now having seen mm-hmm. Top Gun and knowing how excellent it is. Mm-hmm little worried that like maybe 
Maybe, maybe it doesn't do as well as expected, but I, I'm hoping that it ends up like at 120, 125. I bet it'll do well, and I think it certainly is not, you know, it certainly helps that it is also has been getting like weeks and weeks of of hype. Yeah, because um, as early as we got to see it, which was like a good sign that yeah, it was it was even there was buzz around it even weeks before, before we yeah. got to see it. So yeah, that that is a good point. I guess I guess just having seen it now and like mm-hmm. to your point of like how much of a cinematic experience it is, mm-hmm. it's almost like I need this to do well to like yeah. be comfortable with how I feel about the box office going forward. Uh, a yeah. couple weeks ago, I was saying, I think the box office is going to be just fine. And now this movie, I feel like more is riding on it now that I know that it's good. And I know that how much of a theatrical experience you need for this movie. Like, yeah. you need to experience I, I think it it'll do well. Will it be like gangbusters Marvel numbers? Who knows? But I, I, bet, I bet it'll be, I bet no one will be too disappointed by by the end of it but um do you want to maybe talk about about cruise and in general sure um i thought it'd be fun to kind of like you know go through the imdb do it in chunks what what do you think you know why do you think what do you think it is about tom cruise that has made him one of the biggest movie stars of the last, you know, since the eighties, basically. I mean, we're, we're, we've basically wrapped up like four decades, you know, he's basically been one of the biggest stars for like four decades, essentially. Well, he's very handsome. He's very looking. He's also incredibly charming. Yes. And I think he's, I mean, he's like an actor's actor. Like he just, he, He's up for the task. He he knows his assignment and he takes it very seriously. We know that, especially maybe a little bit too intimately for his liking, from the leaked audio yes. of him freaking out on set. But if you listen to it and listen to what he's saying, like he, it's very like self righteous mm. and like what we are doing is important. And he's he like he clearly cares about what's going on. And cares to deliver in his own, like, it seems like he puts the pressure on himself mm-hmm. before putting it on anyone else. Or he expects from you nothing more than what he already puts on himself. And and I've, I think, you know, without t- too much tie us into the weeds of the Scientology stuff, it, it is interesting how much of that, how much of his personality is probably formed by by being a part of, of that organization. And, you know, it is interesting to think of his relationship to the, the church of Scientology and in terms of like how his career has sustained itself of he's, he's not a star who has like avoided controversy at all. He's clearly had his dip periods and, you know, it's been interesting of like, inevitably there's the people on Twitter that's like, well, how could you support Top Gun of like, knowing the the kind of dicey stuff that the church of scientology is involved in and like stuff regarding them that has come out in more recent years and you know and a lot of i think the smarter reply is being like that's that's kind of what makes him so fascinating as a figure is like he has there there are these sort of controversies that have bubbled up to the surface over the years but yet it's kind of hard to to 
to deny what he's remained one of the sort of signature like three or four major american movie stars and part of that being like and is this like very charismatic larger than life presence on screen and just has this natural magnetism to him as well as like he's pretty savvy with like the projects he picks like he he's he's been a little bit more i think narrow in who he works with um in more recent years but you know throughout the like i would say from like the mid 80s to like mid 2000s like pretty much works with like the best directors in the world and has like really good taste in in scripts and projects and is almost always in the lead role and if he isn't it's a very showy supporting role in the like handful of times he has been supporting so i mean he he also i think is someone who has clearly very smart in how he's navigated the business into like i need to preserve my stature in hollywood He's just a very famous person. Yeah. Yet at the same time, but also a famous person who's kind of like mysterious. Right. And like the more you learn about his personal life, the more you're like, "Wait, so what's up with this guy?" Like, it, the, I mean, you think of the Oprah couch thing, right? And like, we haven't really like since then. It's kind oh, of like, it's it's been very right. lock and key. Like, like he is one of those celebrities that like the closer you go on the microscope, it's it's or the 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 more the personal life comes to the surface, the more people are like, the more kind of unusual it is. And so there is sort of this almost don't ask, don't tell, I think relationship in the culture with him of like, you know, wanting to keep the, the, the personal stuff is when I'm, I'm running a little bit in circles, but like the personal stuff is when I think people are a little bit like, Oh, I don't, I didn't need to know this about you. Right. I will say to his credits, and this is maybe convenient for him and maybe maybe not genuine, but mm. the effort at least is there that when he does press days or junkets, mm-hmm. um, you know, I know for like in particular the last Mission Impossible movie, he took a picture with every single member of the media that was there. And, like he, he doesn't he knows he does, how to work yeah, the room. He, he doesn't like you don't have to do that. Like I remember hearing about that from Jason Moa when he did Aquaman, like as Mm -hmm. soon, like, and again, that, that is kind of sweetening the pot. Like, Oh, a pleasant experience. I like the movie a little bit more now. Maybe that's what's going on. But again, you don't even have to make that effort. Like Jason Moa, when people walked in for Aquaman before he even did the interview, it's like, let's take a picture. Like he was the one Mm -hmm. who was greeting you to take the picture. Tom Cruise would give you the time on the red carpet to ask your question, but then also he wanted to take a picture with you. Yeah. He, he, he didn't have to do that. So I, to his credit, whether that is just like being media savvy or him just being like affable, yeah. either way that it like, it works for him. And yeah. again, it's kind of part of the charm and it is interesting how now again it kind of goes back to my comment about the movie of like this is the one movie that can unite america like it is interesting 
and perhaps a little odd that he seems like one of the few movie stars that kind of transcends mm-hmm. politics, transcends like where you are on the political spectrum. Like he's just he's Tom Cruise. He is yeah. the he is a movie star. He is this larger than life figure that has been in our lives for forever and we just kind of like collectively accept him right and whether right or wrong it just it just it's interesting to me it was either sean finnessy or amanda dobbins with the the big picture over at the ringer like mentioned he's kind of the last movie star who has not done a streaming thing or a tv show like has basically like fully remained in the movies like we can we can argue whether or not he is like the biggest star in the world and 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 not but i i it is interesting. I was sort of like, oh, yeah, he is not. He's pretty much doubled down on like, I do big theatrical blockbusters. And like, that's pretty much exclusively what he does now. Um, and there was a report that he lobbied for this movie to be released in theaters. Like, oh, he did yeah. not want this to go to I streaming. I mean, it was no, it was no secret that like every major streaming service was like throwing piles of money at Paramount to try and like, put this on a, a streaming service at the height of the pandemic when everyone was home. But, you know, he stood, stood by a, a commitment for a kind of big screen theatrical experience. Let's, I'm sure we'll, more stuff will come through as we run through kind of like the IMDB. This, this might become some, and so, you know, if just, just stick around. Okay. So like in the eighties, I'm just going to kind of group a bunch of these movies together and, and you feel free to like pick one out. If you have any thoughts on it, kind of his early, early movies, Endless Love, very small role, Taps, um, The Outsiders, the Francis Ford Coppola movie, Losing It. I think uh, Risky Business, um, and then you have all, all the right moves, which are both in 1983. Risky Business, I feel like, is the one out of kind of the early stuff where I don't know that it's quite his best movie. What, what are your thoughts on Risky Business? The ultimate thought will always just be the dance the sliding dancing scene if if you ever want a weird kind of humorous party conversation you know if you're just trying to make chit chat with people like ask them what they think the movie risky business is about because that scene is like very famous and i think everyone kind of associates the movie with that scene but i remember like when i first saw it in high school probably kind of the ideal age to see that movie but it was it was sort of like this movie is definitely not what I thought it was going to be about. Um, for anyone who doesn't know, the plot of Risky Business is Tom Cruise's parents go away for the weekend. And he, um, you know, gets into the same mischief that most kids would get into. You know, drives daddy's Porsche around, kicks back, has a couple beers, and then decides he's going to order a high-end escort for himself and falls in love with a high-end escort. And then some shenanigans goes down and the climax of the movie is he's having to turn his house into a brothel for all the high school kids on the block to come and get laid. I forget (laughs) which movie came out relatively recently over the last few years that was compared to like an updated risky business. I wish I remembered. I feel like it's like a Jonah Hill or one of those like movies that came out that which is like, Oh yeah, Yeah. this risky business. But yeah, that the, the, the legacy lives on. 
Weird, weird movie to like think back on maybe in terms of, I don't know. I haven't seen it in years. I don't know how the sexual politics have necessarily aged, but um, you know, it, it is like, I would venture to guess not well, <laughs> you know, it, it is the kind of movie uh, like, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's solidly fun from what I remember. And, but like, it is, it is very apparent. Like you watch him in that movie and he's very young. I think he's like in his early twenties and you're just like, Oh, this, this kid has got, it whatever it is um and so it sort of makes sense to me i mean have you seen either of those other kind of early movies like he's barely in the outsiders um i haven't truthfully seen any of the others but like i i, I did love both the book and movie the outsiders growing mm-hmm. up so i do recall him from that yeah um yeah that would that would probably be my earliest re- in terms of like his early work probably yeah. the the most prominent for me yeah um and then i mean a couple years after that he's in legend the not very good ridley scott movie um it's like a fantasy movie one of he sort of doesn't make sense in it it's got like a very famous tim curry performance as the the villain sort of plays tim curry underneath a lot of prosthetics and and makeup um 86 is i mean we've talked so much about top gun but i feel like top it's weird looking at these kind of early movies because i feel like top gun is where if risky business is the like star making you know the the one where it's like all right this this young actor is is a leading man for hollywood is like a a, a young flower that we need to cultivate and and let grow into a garden like top gun is where the movie star persona of tom cruise i've i feel like gets fully formed like so many of these movies from like the mid 80s through the mid 90s he is playing someone who is like the best of the best and is always comes out on top well if you go if you go i'm I'm just i'm looking at his imdb page and when you search tom cruise what comes up under his name is Top Gun 1986. I, I, I feel like it is. I mean, it sort of makes sense and it feels like inevitable that he would come back and do this legacy sequel because it it is probably like his signature performance and, and so much of what we think of as the traits of Tom Cruise, the movie star, I feel like that, that he has sort of extended out into when he makes public appearances. It, it all sort of traces back to this movie. So you're telling me his other, like, we won't get a legacy sequel for The Mummy? No. Put a pin in The Mummy. Man. Um, we need, where's Brendan Fraser? Uh, 86, also in The Color of Money. Great movie. Uh, just a tremendous run for him during this, as you yeah. were saying, just like. This, this is when the run, like, really yeah. gets good. Like, I, I would even, I mean. Also, like another legacy sequel, like it it is a legacy. Se- it's kind of the OG legacy sequel. It's a legacy sequel to um, the Hustler, the the Paul Newman movie from the early '60s, and Paul Newman returning as like the older grizzled version of this character. And Tom Cruise is like, you know, it it is. It would be a fascinating watch of like that movie with this new Top Gun movie. It would be a fascinating double feature of like two legacy sequels and one of them. Tom Cruise is the kind of like cocky protege and then Top Gun Maverick being like, okay, now he's playing kind of like the old 
master who's come back to kind of teach the young whippersnappers what's what. Just a double feature titled Wanna Feel Old? <laughs> I like that. Have you ever seen The Color of Money? No. Really fun movie. Like, kind of an underrated score. Like, a movie that when it came out in, like, the mid-80s, if you look back at the reviews, people are like, Psh! Scorsese sold out. And then, like, now you rewatch it and you're like, damn, I would kill for something like this just to come out, like, every month. Just, like, a solid, like, B-plus, like, yeah. really stylish, fun movie. Yeah, that is a Scorsese movie that doesn't, I feel like, get mentioned very often. Yeah. One of the one of the under-the-radar ones. Um, 1988, Cocktail, one of the infamous, like, So Bad It's Good movies. Um where it's i mean it's it's top gun but what if bartending yeah essentially <laughs> and that that is i mean there is there is a juice bar called joe and the juice where their whole gimmick is doing the cocktail thing where they're just how they're how they're mixing the drinks behind the bar the and the cocktail thing is stupid though because like <laughs> they're not making drinks for people they're just like flipping like like, go back and watch the movie. Like, but it's Tom Cruise, and it's cool, and it's the 80s. <laughs> There's, like, the one scene in there where it's, it's like, the bar is built, like, an arena. Like, pe- people are not dancing. People are just, like, standing around and cheering and whooping as, like, him. And I forget who the other actor is who's, like, his, his bartender friend. They're, like, doing, like, backflip tricks and stuff. But, like, they're not making drinks for people. <laughs> Look, we were alive in the 80s, much less old enough to drink in the 80s. So who are we to say that that wasn't how that bar wasn't life was? Yeah, that wasn't the, that was the bar scene. Yeah, just your bartenders not actually making drinks, but putting on a show for you. Um, 88 is also Rain Man. Which, weird to think, this is a snapshot of another time. Highest grossing movie of 1988 and also your best picture winner. Would never happen now. Well, best picture possibly, but not. Right. It's weird to think that both the highest grossing movie yeah. of the year won best picture, but then also weird to think that like a movie like Rain Man that would probably premiere on Hulu now and people would be like, Psh, boring. When does Moon Knight show up? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know about Moon Knight, but yes, uh, point taken. Also, kind of. I don't know, how much do you associate Tom Cruise with this movie versus Dustin Hoffman? Like, do you, when you think of Rain Man, do you think of Dustin Hoffman or do you think of Tom Cruise? Um, I personally think of Cruise more because I think Cruise, I'm, I'm part of the now like second wave of people who think that Cruise is actually the better performance in this movie. Not that Hoffman's bad and Hoffman won the Oscar and like, it's a good performance. I don't know that like, I don't know that we would let an actor do that right. role anymore, but that's a totally different conversation we don't have time for. But I think Cruz has the Cruz has to be the arc of the movie of going from being this like waspy a hole basically, who's like kind kind of like a slimy huckster essentially, into like having to have the, the having to like carry the like emotional weight of the end of the movie, and you have to like really sympathize with him and like this connection he's made with this lost brother. So I would say I, I think of, I think of Cruz weirdly more than Hoffman. Like there are, this is Dustin Hoffman's probably going to like kick down my door for saying this, but like there are some days where it's like, so who, who played the brother in Rain Man? Oh, oh that's right. It was Dustin Hoffman. And he won an Oscar for that role. Who was, who was Tom Cruise's co-star? Yes. Who was that actor? Yeah. Hoffman's good. I wouldn't put that on like my favorite Hoffman performances either though. 
I guess my point of asking that question, like I almost, I don't know, best picture winner, biggest box office movie of that year. Yeah. I feel like I, we as a society, I don't feel like this is just a me thing. Like we don't think of Rain Man a lot. It just kind of like, I guess so. Down the memory hole a little bit. It's a good movie. I don't, it's not a movie I love, but I, I think, I think it's got like his sneaky like most underrated performance in it if only because like his co-star's performance was the one that was like super lauded in the time yeah i feel like it, it would be an interesting rewatch now it's been a while yeah also like a weird movie in this period because it's not really like it's him having to kind of as i said play a very unlikable character in the beginning who have you have to like who has to go through an emotional journey that's kind of different than some of these other movies we're going to talk about like cocktail or um top gun where you know it is that archetype of like he's the best of the best and the whole movie is just about him winning and being awesome um i guess that that, that's that's a lot of yeah (laughs) um and then you know 89 born on the fourth of july which i feel like is the first of his like big that so here here's maybe a, a question for this how how many times do you think tom cruise has been nominated for an oscar oh man He's, he hasn't won, but how many times do you do you think he's been nominated? I'll say two. You're close. It's three. This is this is the first time. This is the first okay. time he's nominated. Um, I think really good Oliver Stone movie. I know Oliver Stone's like a weird person in the culture now. Yes. Um, this is that's, from that's fair this is from when he was probably like one of our signature American yeah. filmmakers. This, this is basically like Tom, a, a very kind of rare kind of performance for Cruz in that this is like him i'm gonna do the big transformation performance who plays this vietnam vet who comes back and is paralyzed and is wrestling with all these conflicted feelings about like why did i go over there what was the purpose of this war and i'm not necessarily being treated as a hero coming back because the country's reception of the war has kind of changed since the time i was there um is his other uh, is his other oscar nomination eyes wide shut no. It's going to be something obvious. Jerry Maguire. Jerry Maguire okay. is the second one, which, okay. I mean, very, very deserved. I, I would argue he should have won for that. Let, I wonder who won Best Actor in 1997. Jeffrey Rush won Best Actor. All right, go Jeffrey Rush. I think I think we should have given this the cruise. For, for, that's the movie he should have won for is Jerry Maguire, which is just like one of the more perfect 90s movies. Do you think do you do you see an, another Oscar nomination in his future? Will he do a late stage mm. really dramatic role? I don't know. It's it's possible he just it it kind of depends if he's going to cuz I mean, the Mission Impossible movies are clearly wrapping up. He can't keep doing these forever. I, you say that. He's either going to have some movie where he's like 80 and he wins an Oscar for it. And we're going to be like, well, he's fine in that movie. But like, I can't believe we didn't give him for like Jerry Maguire. Or do you know what his third nomination was for? This, this is this is another one of like, this, this is if we weren't going to give it to Jerry Maguire, it a thousand percent should have gone to him for this movie and who he lost to, who already had won an Oscar at this point. It's kind of crazy. Let's see. I'm scrolling through. Minority Report. 
No, but great movie. I love that movie. Mm. That's one of my favorite cruises. Vanilla Sky. No, that's an d- awful movie. No, when, I know. When but was the I, last I, time you I, watched I, Vanilla Sky? I, I also <laughs> feel like that. I, I I feel like that could have been like a like an an Oscar voter favorite, sure potentially Magnolia. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Magnolia. Okay. He nominated for supporting actor for Magnolia loses to Michael Caine, who already had an Oscar at that point for Cider House Rules. Definitely all worthy nominations at the very least. Oh, de- I, definitely. I, as, and I don't want to derail a conversation, but as as much as like, his... I mean, it's worth it's worth talking in conversation, like in conversation with Born on the Fourth of July, which like it's. I feel fine that he lost that because he loses to Daniel Day Lewis for that that movie. Um, no shame in that. For a very similar performance in My Left Foot of like para- pl- playing someone who's paraplegic. So. I would I would give anything to lose to yes. Daniel Day Lewis. <laughs> That's one where it's just like tough beat. Yeah, but again, not to kind of sidetrack it, but as fascinating as his career up to this point has been, and specifically what he's been doing the last few years with really being this like elevated action star, mm-hmm. even as he kind of gets up there in age a little bit for what we are maybe used to for an action an action star, I am very curious what his next step is, what, what the next chapter yeah. in his career is. Again, as Mission Impossible wraps up, as you know, this second Top Gun movie comes out, not to say that there won't be a third, but yeah, not something that necessarily seems obvious. No. Um, so yeah, I'm just kind of curious if, even if it's something like a Sly Stallone Creed performance, where again he, I, I think a lot of people would say he got snubbed. Um, he but he he got yeah. nominated, so something that was still kind of. I, an iconic role that he was known for, but maybe he returns to that. It's a little bit more dramatic or a little bit more, more emotional weight to it, given kind of the circumstances of her, his age. Yeah. I would be curious to see if, but I, th- I think ultimately if he does win, it, it would probably be a scenario that you said where you look back and it's like, well, he was fine, but kind of just feels like a legacy award. Like, Oh, we have to give it to him because we're running out of time and we don't know how many more movies he's going to make. And we haven't given him one yet. So let's just do this now. So yeah, in, in this period, like he's, he's playing these characters that are like the best of the best. So like, you know, we mentioned Top Gun, color of money. Absolutely. Um, cocktail, uh, you know, it continues into the nineties. There's days of thunder, which him reteaming with, Tony Scott, it's basically Top Gun, but what if it was NASCAR? Um, also, notably, the movie he meets Nicole Kidman on. That's right, yeah. Um, and they're in a movie, again, the the next year that like doesn't exist, um, Far and Away, which is like the, Ron, movie. the Ron Howard movie that's about immigrants going out west. That didn't happen. It, the the it movie did. didn't happen. It did. Him and Nicole Kidman. Um, I mean, Few, Few Good Men is, I think, my my favorite of this mode of Tom Cruise. Yeah, this is, I don't know if it's fair to say peak Tom, like, is it at this point in his career, perhaps? I don't like this few good men and Jerry Maguire, the two that like, if if you were to ask me like, what is your favorite cruise performance in a movie? It's so hard to pick between those two. I would maybe say few good men, just because that's the one that movie was just on all the time when I was growing up. Like I, I probably couldn't tell you how many times my sister and I have just seen like 15, 20 minutes of that movie at a, like, I've probably only seen it like start to finish like three times ever, but 
I've probably seen chunks of it just on TV, like every day since I was probably 14 or something like that. It's also, I feel like if you take away maybe the more recent-ish franchises that he's done, if you mm. were to ask someone, just a, a regular person who may not even be a movie fan, like what, That's do you, fair. what do you remember? Like what do you, what movie do you associate Tom Cruise with? I think yeah. a lot of answers would be A Few Good Men. Cruise is probably up there with like people like Eisenberg and Jeff Daniels is like one of the the best motor mouths to ever like use Sorkin's dialogue. Um, and and I mean I feel like the the best of the best aspect of Cruise it it culminates in Mission Impossible. We got obviously a trailer for the new Mission Impossible movie. I'm really really excited what what are kind of your thoughts on like mission because this has kind of become like the bread and butter franchise for him yeah and and, and i was gonna say bread and butter franchise for the the theater industry like right, it like, is it is james bond like it is it is, it is I, I think Tom it's Cruise. better than james well, bond it, honestly it, it's just it's a it's a reliable like yeah. we are going to come back to this every few years everyone is going to go see it right for, it's going to have a certain level of quality yeah. for a while it was sort of like the thing he could return to like it was something he developed as a producer and was like you know he could do a couple movies and if like a few of them didn't do well they pretty much all did well like he could just return to mission impossible and that was sort of like the the steady backup always and now that the movie industry has become much more franchise based like it's basically all he does except for this new top gun movie is like do insane stunts in these mission impossible movies um do you have a quick ranking of mission impossible movies Oh man, that, there's no way. I would have to spot. watch them. Yeah, I would have to watch them all again. But I will. I will just say, and you mentioned the third one being the first. That's that's the uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman. That's villain the one, one with. That's the yeah. That's the J.J. Abrams one. That's basically like what if, what if Alias, but like a movie essentially. I will not say that's the best one at all. I will just say that one. I think del- I like that one a lot more than I think is it is remembered for. I, I like I all of them. Really. The only one I don't like, which is why I think like mission impossible is the, the best movie franchise is because there's only one movie that I think is, is bad. And that's the, the second one that, that John Woo made. But e- even then like that, I mean, I'll, I'll maybe like table the mission impossible conversation a little bit for like whenever that movie comes out next year. And that'll be a more fun episode, but you know, I- like, the fun of that franchise is it was basically like a director's showcase for so long. Like Brian De Palma does the first one. It it's a Brian De Palma movie. Like it's got all the like crazy camera moves and like cerebral mind games of a Brian De Palma movie. The the second one that John Woo makes is bad, but like it is undeniably a John Woo movie with like the crazy shootouts and like surrounded by like doves and candles and stuff um and you know the the third one that you mentioned is the the jj abrams one that's basically the show alias that he created but basically like a big budget version of that show um and then then the franchise i feel like goes in a little bit of hiatus and then it kind of gets rebooted with the fourth one that brad bird does and Brad Bird, you know, having done all these animated movies like The Incredibles and Ratatouille, it's it's just this like Rakakuni. Rakakuni, yes. It's the fourth one I feel like is really when that franchise evolves into like 
it is about big, larger than life, like spectacle stunts. And then it did. Cruz hands it over to Christopher McQuarrie, who is kind of like, doesn't necessarily have a signature style, but has become like Cruz's go-to partner for these films into basically like push them with each, each, each one they come out with gets sort of like larger and crazier to the point of like the, the sixth one is my, like that's, Walking out of that theater, I was like, this has set a new bar for action blockbuster filmmaking. Yeah, it does kind of the same thing. Fast and Furious does the same thing where it's like... Although Fast and Furious is now like bell curved and I feel like it's like coming back down. Yeah, it's all about family. But (laughs) yeah, I would say, again, I don't don't want to rank them because I feel like that would be unfair. And like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm in no position right now to do it because I I feel like I would need to watch them all again. Mm -hmm. But I will say, same as you, the Henry Cavill one, walking out of that and being like, they like keep making these even better. Like right. this, like, this is they amazing. Kind of perfected the formula yeah. with this. Like, one. <laughs> yeah. So, I, but I think the, the fifth one is also, I felt the same way about like, this keeps getting like, they, yeah. it is impressive I, how they, they keep rising to the occasion, like one upping mm-hmm. themselves with the stunts and the action. It's, it's really incredible. And I just, uh, I think, you first asked about like the trailer too. Yeah. That that just that just coming out. I you know, that the trailer is so great and that it shows really nothing, yet mm. at the same time like that that is such a small fraction of the movie, and yet it is so action packed and like yeah. so much fan service and so exciting. And like the first 10 set 10 to 15 seconds, I feel like, are just like quick cut like establishing shots yes. of beautiful locations. So again, it's like the first 10 seconds, you're not even really seeing anything, but you're still like amped up for it. Right, right, exactly. So I'll, I'll, I'll bull, bulldoze through a few more of these 90s movies. Um, The Firm, huge hit at the time. I think solid. Yeah. Like, like it's okay. Great cast. 90s movie. Yeah. When, From that weird time when like John Grisham novels were basically like what Marvel movies are now. It's <laughs> <laughs> just like, Hollywood is like I don't does he got a new one just print print it um I've never seen an interview with a vampire have you seen it no okay um we mentioned it 96 might be his best year because that's like both Mission Impossible and Jerry Maguire and so like he's got like one of the biggest blockbusters of the year as well as in in, like one of the more acclaimed movies of the year how much Um, much does Jerry Maguire do now if it if it's released in 2022 Jerry Maguire is a Netflix movie yeah. and doesn't star Tom Cruise stars like someone from the CW and it looks like absolute it you know looks really flat and ugly looking sad yeah terrible we're in a dire strait <laughs> we're in a, a dire state with uh with rom-coms um then 99 is kind of this wild swing year where he's in both eyes wide shut the Kubrick movie and Paul Thomas Anderson's movie Magnolia. Um, I love both those movies, but it 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 is a wild year of these two like big provocative auteur works where he like, you know, eyes wide shut, he's working with like one of the great masters, like aging auteurs. It's his final movie, although no one really knew that at the time. And then it, like it was released after he had passed away, I think, right? Yes. And God, it, they took so late. It, it's the amount I think of it still time holds the record for like the longest movie shoot, which is basically why like that movie and Magnolia are like the only two things he's in in the late nineties. Cause eyes wide shut took like two years to film. Yeah. Um, 
I I love that movie. Do you? Are, are I you? give me anything that Kubrick has done. Okay. I yeah, the yeah. man the man is undefeated. Maybe, maybe that's not as like fun of a question now because I feel like everyone has, has fully come in the way. That has every, Kubrick done a bad movie? Like, did well, is there? And if you look at reviews of the time when that movie comes out, people are like way more divisive about it. But yeah, like like sense. any that that's also like if you look at any Kubrick movie, like The Shining has was divisive when it comes out but i feel like we finally reached the moment where everyone is just like oh yeah eyes wide shut is like one of the best movies of the 90s and that's like an absolute masterpiece and like a weird these are weird movies in that like maybe a, another category for us to kind of talk about like directors using cruises stardom and personality in really interesting ways you know stanley kubrick basically made like a two-hour movie of tom cruise getting cucked like Tom Cruise, this very handsome movie star, took a that should be took on the, the most famous celebrity couple in the world, in Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman, and made a weird sex movie where, like, I have to imagine he like grind them down to their emotional core, doing like a hundred takes each day to basically like the line is blurred of your like, I don't, it, they might not necessarily be arguing about what they're arguing on the page but this couple is clearly like working through something on screen and is like really uncomfortable to watch and then like the rest of the movie it's it's like that coupled with like a movie where women are throwing themselves at tom cruise and he's just like i i'm i gotta get home (laughs) stanley kubrick undefeated yeah and then magnolia which is one of the more like a movie paul thomas anderson writes that for cruise and him playing this like over-the-top, egotistical, sexist, uh, what is his job? He's like a motivational speaker, but is also has like severe daddy issues and, you know, without to fully derail our conversation, I get the sense Tom Cruise had like a very complicated relationship with his father and that Anderson was harnessing a lot of those feelings for, and it, just as Eyes Wide Shut feels like a movie where you're watching him and Nicole Kidman work through some stuff on screen, uh, Magnolia, the the scenes with Cruz, especially late in the movie when he's with Jason Robarbs and Magnolia, feel like Cruz is clearly working through some feelings about him and his father in like the latter part of that movie. Yeah, I mean, that's... And funny to here we are 22 years later and it's Tom Cruise that kind of filmmakers using his persona right so even in like a movie like Top Gun Maverick we're still kind of seeing that where it's like the but but that's in a more earnest I think the key here is it's more sort of like subversive ways of like Anderson noticing this channeling the charisma of Cruise for this very like grotesque character and Kubrick taking the sort of like movie star handsomeness of Cruz and is like, I'm going to invert it and make it him this like impotent man in this like overly sexualized world. Put that on the box cover. <laughs> Give him a quote underneath me. An impotent man in a sexualized <laughs> world, Jesse. Nelson. Um, kind of moving into the early 2000s, uh, Vanilla Sky we mentioned you know, I remember it, that being a big deal when it came out. It it was a big hit when it came out, and to be honest, is is in kind of the hall of fame of movies that like it 
if you see that at the right age, like I was like 15 when I saw that and it was just like really deep movie. And then like randomly saw it on TV last summer and was like hilariously bad movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, I kind of wish him and Cameron Crowe would do something again, but it's kind of sad that like their, their second attempt to kind of like recapture the magic of Jerry Maguire is this kind of like laughably bad remake of, uh, as I understand, like pretty good Spanish movie that has a lot of there's just a lot of like very early 2000s specific aesthetic choices and maybe like outdated Cameron Crowe aesthetic choices and I'm I'm probably talking too much about Vanilla Sky but um it, it's it was a painful rewatch of like wow this movie that I thought was like really deep and profound is actually like really silly and up its own ass a little bit unfortunately not the worst movie Cameron Crowe has done either so no, that's true. Um, what do you think about his two Spielberg movies? Minority Report and War of the Worlds. Yes to both. I think... There you go, man. What? No, good on you. No, I mean, uh, I feel I, like everyone acknowledges Minority Report rips, but War of the Worlds... There's, there's, I love War of the Worlds. War of the Worlds is good. Like, I, I understand the ending's bad, but like I feel oh, like that movie it, gets like yeah, does, a bad <laughs> reputation just does, because the ending sucks. Yeah, it does, doesn't exactly... stick the ending but yeah i mean that that was another like huge hit that yeah just a great like man like tom cruise's movie star this movie is very very fun very entertaining very Mm. scary i remember that was kind of the last one of his like peak period i feel like like that mid mid if it starts in the mid 80s with top gun i feel like the very end of it is War of the Worlds slash, I think like a few months later is Mission Impossible 3. Also, it's kind of interesting in War of the Worlds, he's kind of a piece of crap in the movie. Like, he's yeah. just, a, he's a deadbeat dad. He's a deadbeat who, dad. Yeah, who's just <laughs> kind of just a crappy person and put in a really bad position and, and therefore we are rooting for him. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that, I mean, then Tim Robbins shows up and it gets a little weird. Yeah, but, that's when the movie um, kind of goes off the rails for me. That's kind of like the, the Matt Damon showing up in Interstellar. Like, is it actually necessary? Do we need like, do we need this to happen type yeah. thing? But yeah, that that movie again kind of came out at a time where it was like I was I was starting to really appreciate cinema mm. and could re- I guess decipher between what was actually like a well-crafted movie yeah. like, oh, okay, Steven Spielberg, cool, versus, you know, just something that actually isn't good. Like, this is when I was yeah. starting to appreciate good movies. And, yeah, again, the ending. Two, now, two Steven Spielberg movies that are actually about our post-9-11 fears. Yeah. Deep. Deep. Steven Spielberg, good director. <laughs> Who knew? He, yeah, <laughs> he can he can, he can, can do some stuff. You should see uh, West Side Story. Yeah. Um, two movies I jumped over in this period, Last Samurai, which I think is bad, and I feel like everyone acknowledges it's bad, but was a huge hit. I mean, we can pretend that it's not a real movie. Um, and Collateral, which is the love Collateral. Collateral's great, and the one the one time that he's played a villain, I feel like there's I, maybe there's there maybe there's one other that I of a movie I haven't seen, but that I feel like this is the one. And he's he's great in this movie. Like, is a really terrific villain as this kind of like 
scary but kind of, but also charismatic hitman that basically takes Jamie Foxx hostage um and forces him to drive him around in his cab all night so he can murder people and in the meantime have philosophical conversations just your normal Michael Mann movie but um I'm delighted you love it as well cuz I this, this is one of my like secret sneak favorite cruise performances if only because like it's something it's him doing a kind of performance and in a mode that like he never came back to. He never came back and did a villain, but I think he's like really, really effective as one in this movie. Yeah. The, the, the phrase, this movie rips, I feel like that it was, was invented for, for collateral, like just, just an awesome time. Yeah. And then, so after kind of war of the worlds and mission impossible three, I feel like that's when, because it was it was the press tour for one of those where the whole couch jumping thing happened. I think, I think right? that was two thousand three. I want to say is is when is it that? Because that would have been it would have had to have been earlier than that. Maybe um maybe it was like two thousand six. Maybe. Anyway, probably no need to over overthink that. But I feel like it's around the time of those two movies. Then you know he has. There's also like the weird it, Matt Lauer interview, although maybe. Cruz looks better in that interview now that we know some things about Matt Lauer, but um, everyone loses. <laughs> everyone loses in that interview. He had a couple like weird public moments, and then I feel like the late two thousands and early twenty tens, really until Mission Impossible kind of gets back in the year is kind of this low period where Lions for Lambs, a like forgettable Robert Redford movie, no one talks about. He has the Tropic Thunder cameo, but that that was like a weird surprise in that movie. He also has the Austin Powers cameo. That's true. Which, another fantastic, just random, yeah, him popping up. Valkyrie, a, another movie that kind of doesn't exist. A somehow saw a mo- in theaters, never again. Somehow a movie where Tom Cruise wears an eye patch and tries to assassinate Hitler. That I remember being really boring. I thought it was fine. Okay. I, again, I haven't seen it since seeing it in theaters. Notable that I think that's the movie. Because Christopher McQuarrie writes that movie, so I think that's their kind of first introduction to each other. Um, Night and Day, the Cameron Diaz kind of action rom com, which is like, yeah, yeah, never would be made now. No, not to not. not to keep going back to that. Well, it would be a like it would be time a, capsule. It would be a Netflix series, and it would star um, two people. It would star two TikTok stars and. <laughs> Um, it well, would it probably all, is a Netflix. Series. It would all be shot somewhere around um, town here in Atlanta, but would use no cool Atlanta locations. It would just be parking lots. Um, Rock of Ages, which I haven't seen. I I hear he's actually pretty good in that movie, but that movie I hear is really bad. Yeah, never saw it. What do you think of the Jack Reacher movies? I've only seen the first one, and I remember really not liking it. I I have no. I have absolutely no thoughts on it other than i remember there being some conversation about the fact that jack reacher is supposed to be a a very large man and tom cruise is notably short yeah those movies are kind of from the first one if i remember correctly it's weird because people are just like oh you you think it's bad now just just you wait till jack reacher gets here and then like in walks five foot whatever tom cruise and just like a leather jacket you know you're expecting someone like the rock to come through the room and like break someone's back in half 
Bane style, and instead Tom Cruise comes in, and you're like, oh, um, well, not not really sure this is you, buddy. But and now there is a Jack Reacher series, which I've heard is very good, and, and, and oh, interesting. Honor, honors what Jack Reacher, the Jack Reacher character, is supposed to be all about. I think other than the Mission Impossible stuff, his best late period movie is Edge of Tomorrow, which yeah. sucks because that movie was a giant bomb when it came out, but is is I think the movie that has had in this late period that has had the most fun with kind of his persona and, and playing around with the idea of like, we're going to Tom Cruise at the beginning of this movie is going to be like, you know, kind of like some of those early roles. He's like a huckster and is a fast talker and is just trying to, you know, he's a huckster trying to get, talk his way out of every situation but over the course of this movie you're gonna see him sort of forged into action star tom cruise really enjoy the movie don't remember like anything about i want to say the last 40 minutes like Uh, very very just some bits and pieces like flashing through my mind but I would say rewatch it. It's 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 one of the more Oh, I love that movie. Yeah, like I I, I rewatched to... it during the pandemic and was like, "Oh, this is actually like one of the best blockbusters of the last decade, I think." I remember really liking. It. I just for whatever reason haven't revisited it as much as I feel like a movie with Tom Cruise and Emily Blunt should be revisited. Yeah. And then he has this awkward 2017 where he's in the Mummy is is Didn't the, see it. the worst movie Tom Cruise <laughs> has ever been in. I'm staking the flag of, I know there's been a couple of these movies that I have not seen. Like, I've not seen Taps. I've not seen an interview with the vampire. The Mummy is the worst movie Tom Cruise has ever been in. In terms of, of just like, that movie is total shit. And <laughs> like, it doesn't even know what to do with him. He's just kind of like standing there bored. Um... I'm so glad that that franchise crashed and burned. Um, before we go, if you had to, what what would be your Mount Rushmore? What would be your your four Tom Cruise movies? You get to you get to carve into stone on I mean, the side of a like mountain. A personal, yeah. This is, this is just personal, like the four you enjoy the most. I have to go Jerry Maguire. Okay. Just because of nostalgia and i mean it, it's obviously a good movie but just that was kind of the, yeah. the first the first one for me of tom cruise i would probably go i would include top gun maverick okay i would choose mission impossible pick anyone honestly i'm fine with anyone even even two i know we'll, that's we'll, but like just just mission impossible we'll, we'll carve mission impossible three into the into the mountain for you since that's your favorite and then Man, that's tough. You get, you get War, War of the Worlds. Pick. War of the Worlds. Yeah, that because again, yeah. that was another like yeah. seminal time in my life of seeing movies. We got some kind of cousin picks. I'd probably go with like Jerry Maguire as well. I think I would pick Minority Report as my Spielberg movie. I would go Mission Impossible Fallout, and then. wrestling between either eyes wide shut or magnolia i feel like i gotta like, i gotta get a weird one in there <laughs> the, neither i mean but uh, neither is a bad option at all no 
no, definitely not. Well, thank you, Daniel, for for stopping by this week. Um, and I hope all the listeners enjoyed our extra long Tom Cruise conversation. Uh, have a wondrous holiday weekend. And tune in next month on the latest. Daniel, I'm just going to run through some movies that are coming out that we're going to talk about on this show. Let's do it. Crimes of the Future. David Cronenberg's got a new movie coming out. Looks pretty gross. We're going to have a big Cronenberg conversation. Buckle up. Um, a lot of people trying to stick their fingers in um, Viggo Mortensen. Mortensen's mutated body. Um, Jurassic Park movie. Jurassic World Dominion. Yeah. Uh, somehow has morphed into somehow a, a saga about man's uh, inability to control nature has turned into a, a movie about how much Chris Pratt wants to make out with a velociraptor. So we'll see how that wraps up. Life finds a way. Um, there's an Elvis movie coming out. I don't know if you've been seeing any of the Elvis trailers, but th- this, this movie looks hilarious. I don't, I, I don't the, know the that last, that's a compliment, but... The last thing I heard about it was that it's really good. I don't know. Cool. Well, I hope it is. And... Yeah. I Lightyear. Think that's about it. Oh, yeah. God, there's Buzz Lightyear. But it's not Buzz Lightyear, but it is Buzz Lightyear. Oh, okay, Chris Evans. All right, all right. (laughs) 